You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast on this Wednesday, March the 7th, 2018. I'm John B. from gangreennation.com. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it. Your options include iTunes and Spotify. And if you enjoy it, please leave the show a good rating. Returning to our show today is our friend Mike Nania, who writes with us at gangreennation.com. Mike, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. And it's a big couple of weeks ahead, so things are heating up. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, well, I figure people are tired of just hearing me drone on, so we'll get somebody <laughs> else to talk a little bit about the off season to come. And why don't we start with a real softball? Let's start with a, a real softball. And this apparently came, I was not listening on Tuesday, but this apparently came from WFAN's afternoon drive show. It was an idea that they had. Apparently, it was Chris Carlin who came up with this. He suggested that the Jets should trade a third, this year's third round pick and next year's first round pick for Nick Foles. And I'm assuming we're on the same page on this on this one, Mike. And I'm assuming you listening, you should be on the same page as, as us. This is a horrible idea. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That that is just ludicrous to me. I mean, Nick Foles, we we saw what he did. He had a great playoff, and so he was playing on a great team, obviously in Philly, that had a Super Bowl defense, just a great sporting cast. But he did legitimately play really good in the playoffs. But it just that can't cancel out the fact that for his career, he's a mediocre at best, usually below average player, and giving up a first and third round pick. That's just I mean, it, this shouldn't even really be a discussion. Just the first and third for Nick Foles is way too much, and you're desperate if you're making that move. Yeah, absolutely nothing against Nick Foles. Listen, he was phenomenal in the championship game, and he was phenomenal in the Super Bowl. That's not up for debate here. But you know, if you're a, you're an investor on the stock market, you don't buy a stock when the when the price is at is at its highest. You try and buy low. And I mean, Foles' price is never going to be higher. And it's not like he's been consistent. I mean, even if you go back to the regular season, he wasn't that great when he played. And even if you, I even say there were some very shaky moments in the divisional game against Atlanta. It really wasn't until the, I don't think it was until the championship game where he really started taking off. Yeah, even that divisional game, I mean, that was Philly almost lost that one to Atlanta. That came down to the defense making the stop. Foles was not really good in that game. It was just the championship game and the Super Bowl. And as for his value, I mean, the reports are that Philly's looking for at least the first rounder, and that makes sense on their part because he succeeded with them. He's won in the biggest spot, and you don't know about Carson Wentz's health, so it makes sense for them to value him highly, but for me, as if I were another team, I'd probably not give up anything more than a second rounder at most if I were a desperate team that really just needs someone in there kind of as a stopgap. But in the Jets' position with the money they have and their position in the draft, I don't think trading any kind of draft capital for Foles makes much sense for them. Much less a third and a first. I mean, that's just... Uh, where did they come up with that? I mean, I guess I shouldn't oh. be critical. I, I know I say ridiculous stuff, but I'm not sure I've ever said anything that ridiculous. I mean, they got big, sho- big shoes to fill, uh, replacing Francesca, so you got your got to get your attention somehow. Gravy. Um, so let's move on to the now that we got that softball out of the way. Let's move on to the topic that's really going to dominate the next few weeks, and that is Kirk Cousins, the 
soon to be former Washington quarterback who is going to be available and the Jets are considered one of the top contenders for him. Are you pro cousins or anti cousins? I think I'm definitely pro cousins now. At the same time, I don't think it's cousins or bust. I just hope Mike McCagan has a plan B that goes beyond uh, Josh McCown or Teddy Bridgewater. And you can bring those guys in because you do have to get yourself some insurance, uh, another presence and not put all your eggs in one basket. But, if they don't get cousins, they have to get some kind of guy they can hang their hat on in the future beyond a guy like Bridgewater who is young but huge question marks there. And you can't just go into the season out of stopgap. So I just hope that if they do strike out on cousins, that they go into the draft aggressively looking to trade up and get their guy because they do have the draft capital to make the move up, and they're already in that sixth spot. So I just hope that they don't get cousins. They know who their guy is at quarterback, and they start working to make a move up. Yes, and as the self-appointed president of the Teddy Bridgewater bandwagon, I will say that it's if they don't sign Cousins, they are going to have to draft a guy. Bridgewater can't be your only option going forward. I would love to bring him in, but you have to draft a guy. I think it's either Cousins or a draft pick. Yeah, and that's the, the big thing in this offseason because we've seen it year after, especially the past few years with, Trading for Fitzpatrick while waiting for Geno, signing McCown while hoping Hackenberg emerges, just kind of middling options, kind of resting your hopes on things that don't have that great of a chance of panning out. But with all the assets they have, Cousins is, and you could debate how good he is, how much he's worth, but he's a, he's a safer option than sitting in the sixth pick where without trading up, you'd be looking at probably the third or fourth quarterback off the board. So there's a good floor there, and that's where a lot of his value comes from, knowing that you should be at least getting an average quarterback at the very least. But if you don't get him, you have to kind of go all in for once and take advantage of their spot of the draft and take one of the quarterbacks in the class that isn't really – that doesn't really have an Andrew Luck or Jameis Winston kind of top-tier talent, but there are a lot of options that are first-round worthy, so they just have to make sure they get someone out of that pool. See, you know, for all the heated rhetoric and the debates about whether the Jets should sign Cousins or not, I think the two sides really aren't that far off. I think everybody acknowledges that he's a quality quarterback. He's a high-floor quarterback. Question is, how good is he? Can he carry a team? I think most people would probably conclude he's not the type of guy who's going to carry his team on the back. I think it's just a question. I think everybody agrees for the most part to these general principles. It's just a question of whether or not it's a good idea to pay him that type of money it will require. I just think in the Jets position that if they if they have the number one pick right now, then absolutely I would skip out on Cousins and trust the Jets to take their guy of choice with the number one pick, but they're just not in that position. At number six, like I said before, they could, if without moving up, they're probably looking at the third, maybe even fourth quarterback off the board. So they'd be putting themselves in a position where they're either going to be held to that or they're going to have to give up significant assets as a team that really needs these draft picks right now to trade up and get that guy. So I think their position at number six kind of makes it so chasing Cousins makes a lot more sense just because the uncertainty of the spot that they're in. See, I, I kind of view things differently, and I, I take the other side. I go with, 
I go with that. I, I would take Cousins if money was not an issue, but I look at the amount of money it's going to require to take to sign Cousins, and I understand the Jets have a lot of cap space right now, and it's easy to say, well, they'll still have $50 million, but you also have to consider how many pieces you need on the football team. And that $50 million doesn't really go as far as you would think just because of just how many pieces you're going to have to add because the Jets don't, I don't think the Jets really have a whole lot right now. And I'll say this, nothing has soured me on the idea of giving cousins a mega deal as much as just watching him. And I don't, you know, I can't back this with numbers. This is largely my perception just watching him, but he's a good quarterback. I don't think there's any question about that. And he runs, he ran the Washington offense very well and it's a well-designed offense and he'll hit the open receiver but i guess what and this is how i view it and you may not view it this way you listening you mike i don't know you know but i i watch what i look for are the plays that are like 80 percent the quarterback where he has to put it in a tight window or whether he has to you know evade pressure and he makes them from time to time but i don't know there's just something about him i don't know that he makes it at the rate I want in a guy I'm paying that kind of money to because if I'm paying a guy like cousins, that kind of money, it means that there are other parts of my team that I'm not going to be able to afford to help my quarterback out. And so if it's one thing, if it's a guy like an Aaron Rodgers who is so good that he can compensate for lacking those other, those supporting those surrounding parts. I, I don't know. I, I, what concerns me is yes, you don't want to be in a position where, you don't have a quarterback like the Jets are in right now. You don't want to be in a position where you have a bad situation. But I worry that Cousins puts me in like the, I guess I'll call it the Andy Dalton zone where he's good enough that he's not going to be replaced. But is he good enough to get your team over the hump? Is he good enough to carry your team? I worry about his ceiling. You know, we know he's got the high floor, but how high is his ceiling? And the way I look at it right now is I have nothing right now. I want to take the big swing. I want to see if I can hit the home run because you know what? I got nothing now anyway. I, if I have nothing in the future, that's right where I am now. So that's how I view it. But I know there are other viewpoints. I know you probably have a different viewpoint and many of you listening have a different viewpoint. I think your perception kind of plays into how most people would come mind to view him. I think what you're paying for is that floor knowing you're getting at least average play that isn't going to kill your team. and you could. You could rely on him, and he has been healthy too the past few years, so you're relying on him to just give you stabilization at the position. And could he get better? Yeah, sure. He's only 29, going to be 30 soon, but could his ceiling just be an average kind of quarterback? That too, and that's the worst-case scenario, paying that much money. And the downside of it is just the margin of error for how you build the rest of your team is so small when you have one guy who takes up that big a portion of your cap, and you can't use that that much of your cap space to retain guys to add more players because at the end of the day when they would still have that much cap space left but then you got to look at if your team if you do develop guys like Adams like Williams then you have to pay them in the future so it's a way bigger long-term problem than it would seem to be right now but I think it just makes if he does stay average and doesn't become as much of a difference maker as you would hope a 30 million kind of guy would be, it just makes drafting way much more important, getting more production out of your cheaper guys on rookie deals. 
it's kind of you know you, there are two different paths you can take you can take the path where you sign cousins and that means you maybe you can trade down stockpile your picks and build your team of draft picks around cousins or you could take the other approach and go for a quarterback when you have a quarterback who's cheap that means there's a lot of excess excess cap space you can use to build the roster, build around your roster. So, I mean, I'm not sure there's one approach that's right or wrong. I think it comes down to the individual options in front of you. Those are, it just shows you the two different approaches you can take to building your roster. Yeah, and it's definitely kind of with cousins. This is with cousins. That's the safer, higher floor, lower ceiling option. And going for the draft would be probably a higher ceiling because. Like we've seen with Cousins, we probably know he's never going to be a top five guy. Maybe he stays consistent top ten. Maybe he does become a guy who can win ten games a year, lead game-winning drives, be a difference maker. Maybe that does happen, but we know that he's not going to be ever a Brady or Rodgers-level player. And you draft a guy in the top ten, and maybe that could happen, but he also could be a complete flop. And that's kind of what you're paying for. And like you're saying, and like you believe, some you might not think $30 million is worth that floor, but it looks like it's something the Jets are going to chase, so we'll see how it turns out. Okay, prediction. Who does Cousins end up with? I'm going Minnesota all the way. I mean, I know they're saying that it's the Jets and Vikings last two, but it's just the situation in Minnesota is so much better in terms of winning, supporting cast, and they, even though long-term it would hurt them more than the Jets, they do have the cap space to give him pretty similar deal right now so i i would go with minnesota all the way i think he's gonna end up with the jets and the reason i say that is i've come to see in these free agent situations it's usually the desperate team who lands the top free agent and i think the jets are probably more desperate to land cousins than the vikings are the vikings i'm sure they'd want cousins and i think he makes a lot of sense for the vikings because i think he's the this is how I view him. I view him as more a guy who's the last piece of the puzzle than I view him as a guy you, who's the piece you build around. But at the same time, Minnesota has three other options out there who they you know that they like to some extent. You have Keenum, who they were successful with in 2017. You have Bradford, who they traded a first-round pick to get. And you have Bridgewater, who they picked with a first-round pick. So I feel like Minnesota... They want Cousins, but I don't think they're desperate for him. I think you know you have to let you have to think they like their fallback options. Whereas with the Jets, you haven't been in the playoffs forever. You have a GM entering his fourth year. They have shown no ability to find the answer at quarterback. So that's how I view it. I think he is going to end up with the Jets just because, and you know, it's so difficult because I don't know where Cousins is coming from. You know, I could see any number of different views cousins may have you know i could see cousins saying i want the most money i could see cousins saying i want the chance to win so i go to minnesota i could see him saying i want i want my own team that's going to build around me minnesota i don't want to just take over somebody's team i want i want a team that's going to build around me so i'll go so i mean there are any number of options but i think just like at the end of the day the jets are going to be the team that wants him the most and maybe i'm wrong but that's how i view it I think that's definitely really fair. And like you said, we have no idea where Cousins is coming from. He could be all about the money. And that could definitely be the case because, as we've seen him, not sign long ter- a long-term deal in Washington, get tagged twice in a row. So that could definitely be the case. And maybe he doesn't value winning at all. Maybe he really does care about winning. We really have no idea. But I think the thing that scares me about if he does go to the Jets is that 
it could be because they do something really, really outrageous. And there's been those reports about a $60 million year one guarantee, and that might be kind of uh, unrealistic, but something close to that, something unbeatable, that kind of offer, if that's what's going to take to get Cousins, I could definitely see the Jets going there. And that is a little scary if you're a Jets fan. Well, let's move on that on that lovely note. Let's move on to <laughs> another topic. Uh, let's talk internal free agents for the Jets. Which guys are priorities for you? Or, or is anybody a priority for you of the guys who were on the team last year and are about to become free agents? I think everyone has a price, as with any player in any situation. But in terms of must resign, I think the only guy who I'm kind of prioritizing, and I know that you've gone into him a lot and saying that, He's replaceable, but I think Demario Davis is the one guy I might go a little bit above value to bring back just because his position, uh, his experience with the team, um, the way he had a career year last year, and just has found a role where he can produce. And it is a relatively replaceable role as an off-ball linebacker who they don't really put in a lot of coverage situations, but he did really well in the role last year. He fits in and you bring him back and you know he's going to do his job the right way, even if it's not the most valuable position. I like his fit on the team, so if they have to go a little bit above what they might want to pay to bring him back, I think he's the one guy I might consider doing it for. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm with you. I, I do think Davis at a certain price doesn't make sense for the team, but of the free agents, I think he's the one guy I'd be okay with stretching for a little bit, whereas the other guys, I just you know, I don't love the other guys. and. Part of it is I just view it as this was the core of a 5-11 and 11 team. There shouldn't be any desperation to keep these guys together. But of the free agents, I think Davis is the one guy who was le- legitimately a really good player last year. So I, I think I'm with – I think I actually think I'm with you on that. I, I would stretch a little bit to keep him. Yeah, and of the other ones, I mean, ASJ, I guess he's young, and we've seen his ceiling flashes of it here and there. But at the end of the day, you just – the reports are six million he wouldn't take. You can't make him a top ten tight end for three hundred fifty yards and seven yards of reception in a career year. It's just he does have potential. He is young. He has the great story uh, overcoming his drinking problems. That's all great, but at the end of the day, you can't. You pay for production, not so much potential. And potential is part of it actually, but the some of the reports that are out there for his price just doesn't warrant the production he's had yeah and i'll say i I like him and even to a certain extent i like claiborne but at a certain price and these guys just aren't good enough to make me want to stretch yeah and there are especially a few other young at tight end young options and at cornerback i mean claiborne i guess does have a price he had some good games but if claiborne is one of the jets top two corners next year. I think they did, definitely did not do enough at the position. And cornerback is definitely looking like probably the deepest defensive position. So that's somewhere you want to see them use that cap space. So does Claiborne have a price? Could he get brought back? Definitely. But if he's a top priority, I think the Jets have other problems. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the other options at corner. Who are some guys you have your eye on? Uh, one guy that's kind of under the radar that I like is Rashawn Melvin. He's he was on the he's a Colts coming coming from the Colts. He's kind of up there in age. He's 28 right now, and his sample size is small. He only played 
pretty, I think, 10 games last year, but I watched a little bit of him, and I could definitely see him coming in and playing the role that Claiborne played last year and doing a lot better with it. He's a really physical guy who could play press. I like his game, and I wouldn't go above to a top cornerback price like a Tremaine Johnson or Malcolm Butler, what those guys are going to get, but under the radar, if they can get him affordably, I like definitely like his fit as, like like I said, an under-the-radar option. Yeah, I like Trumaine Johnson, but I'm getting a little scared of the idea of Trumaine Johnson because I I think that this is a pretty deep group at corner, but I don't think that there's any truly elite-level talent there. And I look at Johnson, and I look at the deal he may get as just as the top corner in this class. And I've looked at his resume, and I've checked multiple sites. So if I got this wrong, don't flip out on me, everybody listening, because I saw this on multiple places. I see a guy, never been an all-pro, never been a pro bowler, has been an alternate. But last year, Pro Football Focus had him allowing 759 yards, fifth most among all corners in the NFL, according to PFF. And none of this is to say he's not a quality corner, because you can be a quality corner. Sometimes these numbers don't don't necessarily bear out that a person's a good good or bad. But what I see is a guy who's a good starter, but not a guy I feel comfortable paying top dollar to. And I look at the situation the Jets are in. They really need a corner, ton of cap space. He's the top guy. And they also have his former position coach on their coaching staff. So I don't know. I'm just a little concerned about this. I would take him, absolutely. But again, I wouldn't take him if he's going to be one of the top paid corners in the league. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. The the connections you mentioned and the fit with the Jets, I can absolutely see them chasing him and signing him to a big deal. But I totally agree with you. There's he has this reputation where he's like a superstar, shut down corner, and it seems like he's going to get paid like that. And whoever pays him that deal, I don't think they're going to be getting their money's worth. Is he an upgrade for the Jets? Yeah. Is he a good cornerback? I think he definitely is. But is he worthy of being one of the top five paid corners in the league? That I definitely don't agree with. And uh, I know you wanted to talk about a guy who was in the news a little bit on Tuesday, Fuller from the Bears, who got the transition tag. The Bears are offer the, the rare transition tag to Fuller. Yeah, I think if there's a corner that the Jets are going to go big with, I think Fuller is definitely more of a guy that I want to see them do it. He's younger. He's only 25 compared to a Johnson who's a few years higher than him. And I like Fuller's game. He's definitely a physical guy, plays aggressive. And he has had an up-and-down career, but I think the highs you've seen from him, especially when you combine that with his younger age, I think Fuller would probably be my top cornerback target for them. And we'll see how the transition tag affects that. But I think the Jets definitely need to be looking younger than a Tremaine Johnson and a Malcolm Butler and try to find the value in this class because it is a deep class. So I I think panicking for a top name like a Tremaine Johnson or a Malcolm Butler, who, who I also think is kind of overrated. Good, yeah, but like Johnson, I don't think Malcolm Butler is an elite guy. So I think in the corner class, a guy like Fuller who's younger could be a little bit cheaper potentially. Those are the kind of guys that he'd be looking for. Yeah, and I know this uh, this does not always pan out, but I'm always skeptical when Belichick doesn't want to pay a guy when it comes to, and we're talking Malcolm Butler. And again, I like Malcolm Butler, but 
I don't want to pay him top dollar because it always Belichick's a smart guy and Belichick makes mistakes from time to time, but it's a red flag to me when he's willing to just let the guy go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if there's any coaching staff in the league, you want to kind of look at their moves and base off of that. It's definitely New England. And I, I just think Butler, he's a good player. He's definitely, and like, like Jermaine Johnson, he's, He's good, but I think shutdown, like we've seen against the Jets, Robbie Anderson had a few really good games against Butler. I just, if you're going to pay a guy like that, like 15 plus million a year, make him a top five corner, I don't think that's where the value in this market is. Finally, to close out our show, let's turn to the center position. And it's not often I'll tell you it's okay to pause the Locked On Jets podcast during a show, but I'll make an exception if you have not read Mike's piece last week on gangreennation.com about potential options at free agent center. Which guys do you have your eyes on? Yeah, fortunately for the Jets, and a lot like the cornerback position, which we talked about already, they have all this cap space, they have a big hole at center, and luckily for them, the center position is one of the deepest and strongest positions in free agency, and the two guys that I looked at in my recent article in Gangreen Nation are Ryan Jensen formerly the Ravens, and Weston Richburg, formerly the Giants. And these are two guys who are in their prime, entering their prime, and only 26 years old. They've had productive and strong careers, whether you look at Pro Football Focus or Bleacher Report has some offensive line grades that are interesting. Whatever you look at, they've been strong. They've had consistent careers. And you watch them play, I like their game. I like their all-around games. I like their fit in the zone blocking scheme. The Jets are going to run, and with that, with the way they're going to play, if if they do go more zone-heavy under Bates, movement skills are going to be key. And I watch Richburg and I watch Jensen, and I think both of them have that ability to get out on the move and play in space. And not only that, I think they're just really good, versatile, all-around guys who can make some blocks in the running game, stay clean and pass protection. So I think if there's any position or any players that the Jets should go above and beyond to outbid other teams to get, it would definitely be one of these guys because I definitely like both their games. I like their fits. They're in their prime. So the Jets have a big hole at center, and if they could get either Weston Richburg or Ryan Jensen, those are two guys that I would definitely go above and beyond to go out and get. Yeah, there are certain positions I worry about the Jets because I'm not, not sure the quality's there in free agency or the draft, but center is not one of them. I think there, there are enough guys out there that they should get a quality center this offseason. Yeah, I definitely agree, and those are the two headliners, but beyond them, there are definitely at least two, three other, like Spencer Long, formerly the Redskins, and John Sullivan of the Rams. There are a few other starting options out there, so when you have this much cap space, it's cap space is primarily used for filling your hole. You use the draft to build your young core, cheap core, but when you have your this much cap space, you want to fill the biggest holes on your team, and if they could get a guy like Jensen or Richburg, that would be a huge upgrade in a spot where they really could use one. So if they're going to splash anywhere, center would be a great spot to do it. So we started the show agreeing on something. Let's end the show agreeing on something. There is no excuse for the Jets to bring back Wesley Johnson as their starting center. Absolutely. that They definitely have to upgrade at center. All right. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me back. It was fun.
And thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast on this Wednesday, March the 7th, 2018. Hope you have a great day. We'll be back again on Thursday to talk more Jets.